Hello and welcome to Flowing Backwards, a podcast by me, Phil Peake, and him, Ian Four Candles Moss. This is episode 14, Cancer Hamsters. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. What to do when the talisman leaves? Soldier on, make believe that you are better than ever. Frightened, so you stick together. Hope you can locate a spark whistling in the dark, whistling in the dark, praying for Noah's Ark. Like the Velvet Underground without Lou Reed, like Fleetwood Mac without Peter Green, a Gabriel less Genesis, Pink Floyd without Sid, bands who carried on when the leader was gone, bands who carried on when the leader was gone time to call it a day when the inspiration fades away are you thick-skinned enough to feel no shame you know the value is in the name money dictates you will not stop it a business to make a profit what's left is a facsimile a pale shadow of what used to be a pale shadow of what used to be but it still yields currency like the Velvet Underground without Blue Reed, Fleetwood Mac without Peter Green, Gabriel Les Genesis, Pink Floyd without Sid, bands who carried on when the leader was gone, bands who carried on when the leader was gone, time to call it a day, when inspiration fades away. They could be a success or failure in purely financial terms, but artistically they are traitors, wriggling like worms. Bands who carried on when the leader was gone. Bands who carried on when the leader was gone. Who have nothing to say. Time to call it a day. Uh, that's a kind of jaundice thing, people. Well, yes, I just read them. It's, uh, it was just one that I opened at random and I wrote it after um, I'd left Kill Pretty, would you believe, which uh, we dealt with in the last two episodes. It was kind of mocking myself because, of course, uh, the examples I use all went on in some way or another to better things. You know, it's not always the talent that makes the money. You know, you know, if those examples, the Velvet Underground without Lou Reed, as soon as Lou Reed left, the Velvets who had been stuck playing club gigs and never played outside of America, uh, signed a, a new deal with Polydor Records, who financed them to do a European tour. Uh, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. There's Peter, who, who died very recently, and sadly, who was a genius. And a much more prosaic version of Fleetwood Mac in the mid 70s were the ones who reaped the reward of the name, a Gabrielless Genesis. Peter was obviously the big talent. Genesis have um, just ploughed on as a vehicle for Phil Collins and his pals and, and cleaned up. And who was the other? Pink Floyd without Sid Barrett. Oh, you know, that seemed impossible that Pink Floyd could carry on without Sid. You know, he was everything to them and yet they did and became one of the biggest bands on the planet and uh, and so i was laughing at myself because no matter if i considered myself the talented one in kill pretty they continued and there was always a chance that people would like them and not like me oh broken heart anyway so i was laughing at myself 
by writing that song. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, spurred on by my excursion with the Baby Hamsters, who were a, a group of teenagers, and I'd played some hamsters gigs with a few months before, I had decided to reform an actual version of the hamsters. Uh, and I asked Bobby if he wanted to do it, and he wasn't in the mood for it. He still didn't want to carry amplifiers. Um, and I went to John and asked him, who I'd, I'd asked on previous occasions if he wanted to do things, and he declined. But this time, he was up for it. So I got John in on bass, and we um, fetched in um, Sticky D, and Black Rock, who had been uh, deputy hamsters on the ill-fated uh, machete-wielding gig at the, the Witchwood, and we'd got a version of the hamsters. And um, before we'd actually had a rehearsal, we played a gig um, at the Crescent as part of a German Shepherd uh, thing. And, and, and soon, um, we were flying. It was... It was fun. It was lovely being with um, with people I liked again, um, and and making music and and it, and it was friendly. Um, so so we sort of uh, tootled along and wrote songs, and and some of the songs were were great fun. We went in the studio with uh, with Mr. Ding, and we recorded um, a few things. We recorded a song called Four VT and uh freudian ship and another one called johnny moped and out of those at, the, at that time we put out a single of 4vt and freudian ship um that was very well received uh, mr tony thornborough made uh, an excellent video uh, of it for us and um it was <laughs> it was it was just all all very nice people wrote nice reviews about it and uh you know and and all of a sudden we were we were i don't know in a nice position of, of getting lots of gigs we got invited to play stroma camp which um i, I, I played stroma camp with practically every incarnation of band i've been in but it was really nice this uh one with the hamsters we played at on the second stage this outdoor stage and it was a lot of fun. It was still a big stage and got to run around. I felt particularly energetic that day. And I was running around and jumping about and we and we played and had a lot of fun. And then somebody came after me and it was sort of half mocking. It's not like I take it seriously, uh, but somebody came and, and put a, uh, a crown on my head as, as, as we uh, exited the stage and crowned me. The King of Strummer Camp said that we were the best thing he'd seen all weekend which was rather nice uh so let's play you something let's play you uh because i've just said we recorded it and we put it out as a single and the a side was 4vt which was a song about vince taylor and the b side is one called uh, freudian ship and so here you go this is the hamsters freudian ship Still available, folks, on German Shepherd Records. Okie dokie. Ah! Ah! 
Um, we'd saved up basically Johnny Moped because it was um, that, that same old problem. Um, somebody had promised to put it out as a seven inch vinyl single for us. And so we, we were sat on it. And, um, and, and while we waited, we went back in the studio and um, we recorded uh, an EP, uh, which I took a lovely photograph of some trees in Ashton Underline for the cover. And um, and we called the uh, the EP branches, and it it was it was nice. I got to write um, a song about Northern Soul, which I was very pleased about because it didn't portray it in uh, this sort of hallowed light. As much as I love the music, I hate the um, kind of misinformation. You know that everything in Northern Soul was great and everybody was so friendly and they were all just there for the music because they weren't you know they were working class um people going to these things and so there was a huge element of crime of drug dealing of bullying you know a very it was also very competitive it wasn't all nice so we got to write a song about that where i name checked a couple of um friends i'd known from that sort of period and um that was good, and and we, I did um, I kind of resurrected one of my old pals Stephen from the initial Amsters, and and we did one of one of his songs, and it was all good. And while we'd um, got that out, um, we were invited to play a gig by uh, JD Meatyard. Um, JD's a nice fella. He was uh, a big John Peel favourite, and he's um, for the last decade, he's been located in mainland Europe, initially in Holland and uh, these days in Spain. But he tries to come over and do a tour every year. And uh, the, this, I don't know if you've all been called this, but the, the tour that he invited us to participate on a gig uh, at was called the Independence Tour. And so it was JD who I like a lot, who's, who's very talented and very, very, um, he's a man worth knowing. Um, he's a man of, of, of kind of dignity and strong, firm beliefs and passion. Uh, my friend Tamsin, who's been a member of Mr. Hart and Treble AK, and then latterly Ill and Lines played and, uh, the surprise package, the one I knew nothing about, was a fella called uh, Jesse Cannonball Stateman, who was um, a skinny, strange Jewish guy from uh, New York, a young, young guy with a mane of kind of Mark Bolanish curls that were bright red. And he was great company before the gig, so I really look forward to him playing. And he started playing and he was absolutely electric, completely nuts, completely kind of unhinged, playing an acoustic guitar and knocking the shit out of it, um, screaming and bawling, but very funny and, and very astute, a lot of the things that he was saying. And, uh, and that was great. And, and we played and... Um, I've turned up for the gig um, wearing uh, pajamas and a dressing gown, 
And uh, there, there was a reason for this. It was a sort of light-hearted way of, of saying, I don't feel very well. Look how I am, uh, I'm putting myself, um, you know, out there for you, my public, even though I feel terrible. Um, but nonetheless, it was it was all it was all great. Um, but as I say, I did feel um, absolutely uh, terrible. But you you know you just sort of presume that you were going to uh, coast through um, whatever it is, and you'll come out. So we've got good gigs. Coming up, we've got a, a, a gig in uh, in South End coming up with uh, the subway sets that I was really looking forward to. Although we did have a problem in that uh, Sticky D, the drummer, uh, and now got a dog that he was terribly attached to, and he didn't feel that he could travel that far uh, without his dog. Uh, so we were having to borrow a, a drummer to uh, to do to do this gig. But it, you know, it was all sort of uh, fun, and uh, yeah, there, there we kind of are. Uh, so I'm going to play you something by Cannonball Statement, uh, just because you've you've got if you've never heard him, you you've got to hear him, and I hope after you've heard this, you will go and listen to more things by him. So again, this is on German Shepherd Records. It's still still there, uh, and it's called Carlos. Is on fire. Does anyone know who Alicia Keys is? I don't know who she is either. I'm standing on 2nd Avenue in East Houston Street in New York City, which is across the Atlantic Ocean from here. Two and a half years ago. I'm coming from, coming home from a gig, waiting for the stoplight on 2nd Avenue and East Houston Street in New York City two and a half years ago at two in the morning on a Tuesday morning, which is actually a Monday night. I'm walking home from a gig and I'm waiting at the stoplight on 2nd Avenue and East Houston Street and this guy comes up to me, this guy on a wheelchair, this old guy, his name's Carlos, he's in a wheelchair on 2nd Avenue and East Houston Street. My guitar, and he says, Take out that guitar and play a melody. I've got a song. And I'm like, Well, it's 2nd Avenue in East Houston Street at 2 in the morning on a Tuesday morning and a Monday night, and I don't really have anything better to do than take out my guitar and play this melody, which sounds almost exactly like the song I just played right here, right now in Salford, which is not Manchester. So two and a half years ago, I did that in New York City, which is not Albany, nor is it San Francisco. And Carlos, this old guy in a wheelchair on 2nd Avenue and East Houston Street in New York City, which is across the Atlantic Ocean from here, two and a half years ago at two in the morning, he goes like, this guy's on fire. So Carlos had written a song called This Guy's on Fire about how he had a giant crush on Alicia Keys, someone I'd never heard of at the time and still don't know very much about because I'm completely ignorant about pop culture because I'm ignorant about some things and not about others. 
And two and a half years ago on 2nd Avenue and East Houston Street in New York City across the Atlantic Ocean at 2 in the morning on a Monday night, which is also a Tuesday morning, I'm playing this melody and this guy's like, I'm gonna give you the melody for this song, This Guy's on Fire, and you will be a one-hit wonder with this song, This Guy's on Fire. And the only catch is that when you become a one-hit wonder with this song called This Guy's on Fire, you will have to start paying royalties to me. I like this guy Carlos a lot. But the thing is... interest in being a one-hit wonder. And personally, I didn't think his song was much of a hit. And I'm not interested in hits. I think we're all kind of like hits. But we're better. If that makes any sense, which it does and doesn't at the same time. Nothing I do makes any sense. In the U.S., sense is like pence. In any case, I went home. I took the train home, the F train, from the 2nd Avenue stop on 2nd Avenue in East Houston Street two and a half years ago at 2 in the morning on a Monday night, which was also a Tuesday morning. I got home in Brooklyn. I'm sitting in my living room. It's 3 in the morning. It's 4 in the morning. And I wrote this song called Carlos is on Fire and Alicia doesn't know. Alicia doesn't know because he's famous than anyone I know. He's just an old man in a wheelchair singing for strangers. Hopes that one day she'll see and hopes that one day she'll notice. Carlos is on fire and Alicia soon will know he's fire than anyone she knows. And I'm just Cannonball Statman with a guitar. For this, I'm not ready for this fire. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this fire. So give me cover. I don't know if you're ready. Carlos is on fire, and Alicia soon will know he's fire than anyone else. Thanks, everyone. Uh, my illness was refusing to go away. It was it was uh, characterised by this constant hacking cough and terrible pains in the chest. And I went to uh, my GP, and uh, she prescribed me some um, antibiotics, and they did nothing. And I went back. And she prescribed me some more antibiotics, stronger antibiotics, and they did nothing, and it persisted. So I went back again, and she said, um, we'll get you checked out. You know, I'll, I'll get you uh, an appointment with a specialist to see what's going on. And, um, and that then led to a series of, um, of tests, and the word cancer was first... Um, thrown at me, which I didn't believe in a million years that I'd got cancer, but uh, nonetheless, I was having some very strange 
test with needles being stuck through me chest cavity and then you know sort of uh, oh, oh just tons and tons of scans and bloods and, and all that and um and then finally most of this was happening at Tainside Hospital some of it is Stepping Hill Hospital in Stockport and then I got sent for a uh, a test at, at, at Manchester Royal um um to to sort of um once and for all um see if indeed i had got cancer because on the, the scans there was an unpleasant sort of blotch in my lung that had shown itself and and so i went and i had this scan and um obviously the man who administered the scan can't tell me but i knew as soon as i came out from the scan machine the way he addressed me sort of sadly and reverentially i thought oh fucking hell i've actually got cancer and indeed um that became um confirmed um at that point weirdly um because you're still wandering around trying to do you know there's, there's not much point sort of stopping uh ev everything you know i'm waiting for, for for them to tell me what going to do about all this um and, and you just sort of carry on regardless and i found myself in in a in a supermarket in denton one sort of um late evening kind of eight o'clock in supermarket time well in real time but in in supermarket time that's late i suppose um and i um i was wandering down an aisle and i looked up and who would be there um but uh, the lump who I'd not seen for 12 months and, and there had been, he had waged a virtual war, an internet war against me, uh, sending out messages to people, telling them what a bad sort I was trying to, um, to, to people who could material affect the way that I live my life, uh, people in bands who might offer me support slots, promoters, radio DJs and he was sending them out messages saying saying that I was deranged and, and I was a very sort of bad sort and so I would, I'd taken quite a bit of umbrage with the lump and there he was the first time I'd seen him in 12 months um, so I called him a cunt um, and uh, put him straight about a few things and he sort of waddled around uh, with his bottom lip shaking and um i think he was half terrified that i was going to um physically assault him uh, but he, he was too pathetic for that um and it isn't really my nature um and he was he was sort of very defensive and in the end i just found myself laughing uncontrollably in his face and he um he, he waddled away um, and out of my life the last time I ever saw him. Um, so that was at least I'd, for a moment I thought there must be a god, you know, sending uh, sending the lump into my midst so I could tell him what I thought about uh, before I went off to die of cancer. Anyway, I didn't die of cancer. They um, they decided um, I was going to have an operation. They were going to uh, cut out the offending area. 
from my lung and so I went into hospital and um, indeed they cut, did cut it out and I was there in hospital, uh, you know, largely lungless. Um, but um, I'd been very, very lucky. Uh, I'd been lucky for one thing that it was um, not the most aggressive form of cancer and I was lucky that it had been caught early and I was lucky that there'd been um, no spread onto the lymph nodes. So the operation was um, all that was required um, to, to rid me of, of the cancer. Obviously I had periodic tests and things like that, um, but, but physically it wasn't a huge traumatic thing. Whereas, whereas the operation on the heart had been physically, and still is, you know, that, that's made a difference, a fundamental difference to, to my life. The cancer thing, apart from making me increasingly breathless uh, through the lack of lung capacity, um, was I, I recovered fairly well. What you're not prepared for is the emotional uh, aspect of it. Um, and, and, and I suppose what I suffered from was a kind of survivor's guilt. Um, people had been so kind for, for one thing and, and so con considerate. And um, you almost feel like they're expecting you to uh, die and you've cheated them. But that's, that's, just, that's just a sort of weird kind of thing, you know, that you can um, come to terms with and, and sort that out in your head. What is more um, to the point is, as somebody who, who has survived a cancer, is you constantly know people who are being diagnosed with, you know, there's always somebody, a friend or a friend of a friend, and, um, and, and in short order, I had two friends who were diagnosed with cancers, both different cancers from the what I'd, I'd got, and they came to me for advice, you know, in and hope, you know, I think they hoped that there was some sort of a magical trick that I knew, and and of course, there there isn't, and they pinned some hope on me, and I was unable to um, to prevent what happened to them. And, and they both died. One of them um, was, was John Simpson, who had, um, as I said, mentioned before, he attempted to manage sick nurse. And John was a really lovely, uh, lovely fella. And, and that was heart heartbreaking. And, and as I say, it, there's, it, 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 it puts you in a very strange headspace. Um, I mean, we played um, we played a gig um, then as as a benefit for John's John's children af after he died and and that brought it home even more you know uh, the fact that there I was on on stage still um, still jumping around and shouting and um, I'd survived cancer and my good friend John. Uh, hadn't so that was a sad, sad farewell. Uh, anyway, I was I was as always 
I was listening to lots of music and still making lots of music because these these scares and scrapes and uh, illnesses um, make you realise that uh, life is not finite and it certainly made me realise I've only got a limited time and so I escalated my own workload and started working with um, various people uh, who I admired and it was wonderful that they were willing to reciprocate and work with me and seemed to think uh, that, that I was good, it was great. So one of them in particular, um, who I've worked with and, and has become a great friend, is, is a man called Moth Skellington, who lives in Leeds and used to work on trains and um, recently sent me a wonderful box set of uh, Debussy CDs, uh, who he's into. He also likes Black Sabbath and Perubu. Doesn't like, he doesn't like a wide range of music, but he likes Debussy, Black Sabbath and Perubu anyway. And me, uh, would you believe? And he and I worked together on an album as Moss Skellington. And uh, I exercised um, a demon uh, by writing a song with Moth called The Lump. And so we will play The Lump. Also, uh, we will play at the same time another band who I have collaborated with, who've been great friends through all my kind of traumas and who are one of the best bands in Manchester and have been for a long time and are original and play with such joy and intelligence as well. So we're, we're going to listen to Moss Skellington, The Lump, but we're also going to listen to Monkeys in Love and their track, Gin in a Can. But my condition has improved. I cast my eye and get to check, and yet the lump is removed. A useless piece of fatty tissue was an acute pain in the arse, and now it's not even an issue. I am free at last. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, I'm waiting for the nation. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, let's have a glorious celebration. Not only was it unattractive, but it tried for a week. The time it was at its most active was whilst I was asleep. When I awoke, the evidence was losing yellow pus. The dreadful damage made no sense. But the culprit was obvious. The lump is gone. The lump is gone. I have liberation. The lump is gone. The lump is gone. It's a call for celebration. I've seen the lump slithering up supermarket aisles. His bottom lip quivering like a frightened child. And still I showed it pity as it waddled through the door. I did not grind the hideous creature right into the floor. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, sacked by a laser beam. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, I'm 
love of his garment, the love of his garment. Now I feel clean. The lump has crawled back underneath the shadow of its stone. In my dreams, I used to grind my teeth as I tore its flesh and bone. It wilted at the sound of my laughter. Its puffed up self was shrunk until it became invisible. In shame, away it slunk. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, that violates a beam. The lump is gone, the lump is gone, at last I feel clean. Lump is, lump is, lump is gone, lump is, lump is gone. The lump came from Tickly. The love tried to make my life a misery. The love is gone. The love is gone. Love is gone away. The love is gone. The love is gone. Hip 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 hooray! Love is gone. The love is gone. The love is gone. The love is gone.
what Mike Hansen did kill was um, the hamsters. Um, it, it, it ground to a halt. We cancelled what gigs we'd got because I couldn't play them. And um, there was um, the dog thing going on and it just sort of um, just dissipated. You know, it, it just went away. Um, no sort of hard feelings. We did at that point um, release um, the because it had not come out in, in the end as a seven-inch single, uh, we decided to put out uh, basically Johnny Moped on German Shepherd Records. Um, and that was really lovely because even though there was no band to support it, um, people really, really liked it. And amongst the people who liked it, which was, which was very nice, was uh, Captain Sensible, famously of The Damned, and of happy talk, oh, happy talk, oh, and all that, la, 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 like things to do. Uh, but also, of course, an ex-member of, uh, of Johnny Moped um, in the original Carnation. In fact, there's a great film of the sort of pre-Johnny Moped, Johnny Moped from 1974 or 75, where they're playing um, a gig in Johnny's back garden, and they look such a sort of odd, mob and johnny's got this motorcycle helmet on that he's singing on and they're playing i don't i can't remember exactly what they're playing they're playing things like johnny be good you know in route 66 but with this revved up sort of energy and uh, and fearlessness about looking foolish because they do look foolish but it's great that they don't care and so they're there in this back garden in croydon playing this gig which is recounted in the song and uh, Captain Beefheart, uh, Captain, oh, Captain Beefheart, I do you beg your pardon, Don. Um, Ray Burns, aka Captain Sensible, is at that point a part of um, the band. Anyway, Captain Sensible loved the song, basically Johnny Moped, and and did his best to uh, to publicise that. Said said very very nice things, um, which while while I'm recuperating from the operation. Um, was was a, a lovely boost, as I, as I say, physically. Um, I wasn't I wasn't too bad. What was bad was possibly because of the tubes that get stuck down your throat and things while you're having these operations. Is um, I was struggling to um, to form sentences. I certainly couldn't sing uh, and things like that because. Um, in the meantime, um, you know, I tried and I couldn't, and I just couldn't, you know, because I, I, I'm capable of uh, recording on telephones and things like that, and, and and I just couldn't, I could barely speak, and it was uh, that was sort of depressing. What I did find inspiration was listening to uh, lots of music, um, and. Um, uh, I suppose this is kind of ironic because uh, a track that I absolutely uh, loved, um, <laughs> while I couldn't, well, I could barely speak and certainly couldn't sing, uh, certainly couldn't sing, is a track by Dalek. That's uh, spelt D-A-L-E-K. Dalek, who was sort of an alternative hip hop uh, conglomerate. From from New York, a sort of avant hip hop 
a sort of noise hip hop. Um, absolutely brilliant. I'd seen them um, perform at the Custard Factory um, in Birmingham. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and then what I was listening to was uh, a track, as I say, ironically, uh, by Dalek called Speak Volumes. MCs, what happened? 
33rd degree, new continents I'm mapping. DJs, what happened? 33rd degree, new continents I'm mapping. B-Boys, what happened? 33rd degree, new continents I'm mapping. Rap artists, what happened? 33rd degree, new continents I'm mapping. Yo, my culture, what happened? 33rd degree, new continents I'm mapping. Yo, what the fuck happened? 33rd degree, new continents I'm asking. Yo, I'm asking what happened. 33rd degree, new continents I'm asking. Yo, what happened? 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 Fuck happened? So I'm I'm uh, largely at, at at home in in my kind of uh, clockwork orange flat since I lived in in Ashton underline um, which which would get pretty depressing even though I've, I've got music and stuff to listen to and and I'm sure you know you've just heard Dalek and so you know how great that is for a start I was listening to lots of great stuff uh, well what also cheers you up is is people would call around you know and fetch me grapes and pop and uh chocolate and stuff and uh and one of one of my visitors was um was my old sparring partner uh in the man in the dress uh john john rollinson john joanne from the hamsters and from sick nurse and from the hamsters again and from the bears from bellevue zoo this man who has threaded like a needle throughout my musical life and John came to me, uh, and he didn't fetch me any gifts because he he uh, he didn't. I don't know. He, he, he's, when, I, when I see him, I'll tell him he owes me a bar of chocolate. Um, John came to see me and sat down, and we had a cup of cup of tea, and uh, and we talked. And he it was very nice to see him. He was checking. He was genuinely concerned for me, but he had an ulterior motive too. And before he left. He said to me, do you intend to do music when you get better? I said, yeah, of course I do. He said, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to get some new members for the hamsters? I said, I don't want to do the hamsters. That's done. You know, um, although I suppose legitimately we could do because both of us are original hamsters you know we we're 50% of of the hamsters so so it wouldn't be sort of horrible but but doing the hamsters means that i have to um sing songs that are now 40 years old and you know you've 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 grown you've become a different person and not all of them um fit anymore um and i don't like that constant looking back so even doing the hamsters the best bit for me uh, in this little period had been the writing of new songs and getting those out i'd enjoyed uh, 4vt and freudian ships which we've heard and basically johnny moped much more than i had um playing stupid songs in ole spain and stuff from from the past so i said no i'm not doing the hamsters but i do want a band and um, I tasked him, John, I placed my faith in him and said, 
go forth and recruit a drummer and an electric guitar player. And uh, in short order, he reported back that he had recruited um, a man called Mr. Peak, who I knew because he had drummed on occasions with Sick Nurse and he'd been in, uh, in a band previously with John to drum for us and um, a guitar player called Mark from Middlesbrough, um, who I had, had, had met at, uh, at funerals, would you believe? Uh, so so I, I sort of vaguely knew him. What I knew about Mark from Middlesbrough was that he was a big metal head. Not that he had a metal head, you know, not that head made of iron. He liked uh, a, a style of music called metal um, that I don't like. And so I was a bit concerned that it might all go um, go wrong, you know, that, that I might find myself um, in the middle of these musicians as they sort of um, try to recreate, you know, what Deep Purple or Rush and somebody like, these bands that hate sounded like. Um, thankfully, that would, never was the, the case. Anyway, we um, we booked some rehearsals and I turned up uh, for the first one and within five minutes I was going home because I couldn't sing as soon as I opened my mouth to sing. Nothing came out and it was painful. Um, so, we, you know, we're, we're paying for these rehearsals and Phil and Mark from Middlesbrough accepted that very graciously and we reconvened two or three weeks later, and the same thing happened, uh, and they accepted that gracefully, and then we tried again a few weeks after that, and the same thing happened, and I didn't truly know if I would ever be well enough to sing, but they accepted it, and they waited for me, and that, um, I felt enormous gratitude and, a, and an immediate bond with them um, because of that. And then at the fourth attempt, we uh, set up a rehearsal and bingo, a noise came from my mouth and it stayed there for the duration of the rehearsal. It wasn't beautiful, but then it never has been, um, but it was there and we were, we were uh, suddenly we were a band. Not only um, was I making a noise, but they were making a wonderful noise as well. And um, I, th I think I think in the first rehearsal, we, we wrote four songs. And then in the second rehearsal, we wrote another two songs. And then in the third rehearsal, we wrote another two songs. We had a set full of songs and it was really good. And everybody was very enthusiastic and it was, um, it's like being reborn. And as I say, I've not wanted to be called the hamsters. And so, um, uh, because, because I am dictatorial, um, I chose a name for us. And I called this new conglomerate, conglomerate, Four Candles. And it was the start of Four Candles. This has been a lovely, lovely period of my life. And, um, I'm going to speak more about Four Candles in the next episode.
right now i'm going to say uh bye bye cheerio farewell to you all uh, i'm going to wish you all the best hope that you continue to uh be safe and 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 stay well and that your loved ones are in the same way i hope that um this continued strangeness isn't sending too many of you uh stir crazy because um mental health issues are a serious problem and 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 i foresee um a good deal of people having a good deal of mental health issues as we uh go further down the line through this pandemic that isn't uh going away that we still have to respect so uh so it's goodbye from me it's goodbye I'm sure from Phil and it's goodbye from me to Phil and of course um, my regards to Phil's good lady wife Helen with the beautiful flaming red hair and uh, I'm going to leave you with another track that around this period I was listening to absolutely great band I saw them uh, support Massive Attack I'm not sure if it was around this time but fabulously physical band so this is Young Fathers and this is a track called Rain or Shine.
Thank you very much for that, Ian. That was yet another fine performance. Like every other one you do. Thank you for listening. It was a pleasure providing you with entertainment. Now, if you need to make any comments or suggestions or ask any questions, Facebook is just flow backward. Just drop us a line. We like to hear from you every now and then. So thanks again and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from the man in the hills. Good night.